You're listening to the Million Dollar Sellers Podcast with your host, Nick Shuquette. Today's show features another amazing entrepreneur who has found success online. Now, let's learn what it takes to be a million dollar seller. All right. What is up, everyone? Welcome to the Million Dollar Sellers Podcast. I am your host, Nick Chiquette. Today, we've got Robert on the call. Uh, thanks for coming on with us today, Robert. Why don't you let the audience know where you're calling in from? Uh, hi, I'm Robert Weisberg. I'm calling in from Coconut Creek, Florida, South Florida, um, uh, near Boca Raton, for people that know the southeast part of Florida. Nice, nice. And um, correct me if I'm wrong, but you're you're from New York, right? Yeah, originally from Oceanside, New York. And I actually came down here to go to college to F, uh, FIU, Florida International many years ago. Cool. So you just decided to stay down there or did you did you go back to New York for a little bit? I actually didn't go back. I decided to stay here. Uh, there are a lot of reasons and especially business reasons as well. Oh, gotcha, man. So, uh, you know, we, we'd like to know a little bit more about how you got into this crazy journey on, on Amazon. I know you're kind of like a legend in the uh, e-commerce arena. You've been in the game for a while, definitely seen a lot of things. How'd you get started, man? Well, I could say that I uh, we've been in e-commerce before it was even called e-commerce. It was called <laughs> back in the day, mail order or direct mail. Um, you know, when e-commerce came along, I always say to people, this was not reinventing something that wasn't there. The difference was taking something from the analog world and taking it over to the digital world. So how we actually started, our roots were that uh, my brother and I, when I was in high school, he was in junior high, we started a mail order business selling baseball cards and advertising in uh, trade publications. That's when baseball cards really started taking off because instead of having just one company make the cards, which was Tops, we had Fleer and Donruss enter the picture. We had three competitors in a business that had been very old and stagnant and just very conservative type of business. And here were two new upstarts trying to expand on the business. So it really started taking off. We're filling orders out of our basement. And we had daily pickup from UPS. And I tell people, nobody in the 1980s was doing anything in their house where they had daily pickup from UPS. I mean, it was really something else. And it was completely manual. We had no technology whatsoever. We're talking about pencil and paper. We're talking about uh, writing labels for the customers and filling out a UPS book with their address wow. and their name. And I mean, even, even though on a daily basis, it's not like we're filling hundreds of orders. Everything we did was manual from opening baseball cards to sorting them to, uh, you know, just putting the orders together. We, there was no such thing as some fancy inventory system. You know, you worked with what you had. <laughs> and um, so the business started to evolve. Uh, I ended up going to college down in uh, Miami and um, we continued the business while we were, I was in uh, college, my brother was in high school, and we still did mail order. And uh, eventually he came down to Florida. He went to school down here as well. And we got our first warehouse where we started with wholesale. We decided to pivot from retail mail order and go to wholesale. And we ended up uh, later on selling to big box retailers. Uh, it was a complete 
like I call pivot from dealing with retail orders kind of one at a time to dealing with big box retailers and learning the ropes from there with names that are even around today, like Big Lots was one of our first customers. Wow. Uh, we sold, we sold later, we sold Home Shopping Network, uh, just, just a multitude of people. And, um, you know, it, it was, it was a heck of a journey as business evolved. We at one given point pulled back from the big box retailers. We went more to a wholesale distribution model where we stocked the goods. And then as things evolved later on in, uh, in early like 2012 or so, we realized that we had to do some retail, uh, online again, that started with eBay. It started with, then it, came on to Amazon and uh, believe it or not, back in those days, eBay was actually a better place to sell a lot of the products that we had. That's pretty impressive, man. So what, you got started like like 40 something years ago, it sounds but, like, right? Kind of, I mean, I mean, I, I could say, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a weird thing, but I've basically been in business my entire life I could say that about my brother as well. So he's been with me. We even sold like chocolate bars in the school. I mean, we did all sorts of things. Nice. So neither of us have really worked for anyone else other than a few minor things along the way uh, for college purposes and things like that. So, uh, you know, that's impressive, man. I always love when I hear about people who, you know, they've, they've worked for themselves more so than working for other people. Um, you know, do you feel like you were always kind of meant to be an entrepreneur? Like, why didn't you just get a job and follow in the footsteps like, you know, of everyone else? You know, I don't know. I don't, I don't think either one of us, uh, my brother's name is Tom. I don't think either one of us had like where we sat down and we said, okay, this is it. We're going to be working at this forever. But it, after a while, you've been doing it for years and years you have setbacks, you're able in some way to overcome them or to bootstrap past them. And at some given time, just, we just felt, okay, we're going to be making, we're going to make a go of this one way or the other. I mean, it was not something we really talked about, but just something we felt. And it's been that way all along. You know, we, we've been hands-on with the business. That's one thing I could say is we've been hands-on throughout everything. So we're involved. And uh, that's the way it really has been. I mean, neither one of us really takes like sick days or anything. Yeah. You know, I mean, obviously, if you have to, whatever, or we do have some vacations here and there, obviously not without with the COVID situation. No, but uh, it's always been a situation where uh, he's been on top of things here or if he goes out of town, I am. So it's just it's something that really evolved over the years, not something we uh, you know, definitively planned on initially. Nice, man. I can really just like imagine you and your brother in that in that basement, just like grinding out some work, writing out like writing out addresses, opening up cards like, you know, I, I think of like when I started, which was, you know, like 2014, 2015. And, you know, I had my computer and stuff like that, but we didn't have all these fancy like uh, research tools and all this stuff. And it was a little different for me doing things manually, but you just completely blow that out of the water uh, with just, I can only imagine all the things like you've done and seen and ran into. And, um, you know, I know like in, in our group, in MDS, like if you get a stamp of approval from Robert in the group, like that is huge because, 
you know, you could be, you, you provide a lot of feedback to people in the group and you, you've just seen so many things not work and you know what works. And, uh, when Robert says something works, like you better try it out, you better look into it because there's a good chance it's, it's something that's going to really have a good impact on your business. Um, what, what are some things that you've really seen recently, uh, that are just really different from how you started out that have really helped take your business, uh, to the next level? Well, you have all these like software tools and, um, you know, going from a manual system. I mean, when I say manual, everything was like picking up the phone, trying to reach people, trying to, let's say, hope that those people, uh, have what you want and know what you want and chasing after people on the back and forth where, you know, when the internet really started to explode, so many things, so many resources have, are available. Um, for example, let's say Upwork or Fiverr, just single tasks that you need to get done uh, on the technology and the things that you need. Um, just resources like Facebook, obviously resources like the MDS Facebook group where you could call on them. Just so many people have different talents. They're in areas that I've never been involved in or they're doing marketing that I've never done before. Uh, and, you know, everyone's got their little talents. And, you know, I point out different people that are just, I feel amazing in what they do. And I think of how hard it was because we were kind of insulated. You just, you can't get that kind of feedback. You can't, you can't get answers so quickly. Even in the MDS Facebook group, if you need an answer to something, you could just post it and someone's going to have an answer or some ideas for you. You could not do that before. And people that you could trust, obviously, and that are in your same industry. Yeah, I agree, man. It's one of my favorite things about the group is just like, something that might take you a couple of weeks to figure out uh, could literally be answered within minutes just by posting it in the group because they've already figured it out. Um, or maybe you check out the template library and like someone already put a process together up there uh, on, on how to fix something that you've been struggling with. Um, I really think this speaks to your, um, you know, your adaptability as an entrepreneur because you'll see a lot of people that have been doing something as long as you have, like they get stuck in their, in their ways, right. They get stuck in their habits, but clearly you have just adapted constantly and found new ways of doing things and are very open-minded. Um, you know, someone, I think a lot of entrepreneurs, we start out, we're doing everything ourselves and it can be pretty tough for us to like go on, Fiverr, Upwork, or even hire someone locally uh, to take over something that we used to do ourselves. Did you ever struggle with that at all? Or, Well, I'll say it can be a struggle in changing things, even with employees when they've done things a certain way. So I could, and, and especially with technology as well, I will say there's definitely bumps along the road when I implement something new. I'm very cautious about that. Uh, take, for example, a product like ShipStation. That is one of the most functional uh, software tools that we use. It's very consistent. It's rarely buggy. It works. It gets the job done. And then it becomes sort of an appliance. And one of the things I'll say is when we started in business, 
uh, and then years went by and then there was something called a computer, which back in, I remember the first one I bought was like $2,000 and I had like a green monitor. And when I got a yellow, uh, a color monitor, like 16 colors, it cost me like $600, uh, even a dot matrix printer, that old printer that you see at the auto shop still have with the carbons and all that. That was like $300. I mean, back in those days, I mean, it wasn't like it was a small expense and uh, when we finally uh, started to get involved with technology, you know, there were bumps along the way. It was more of hobby and experimental. So it was not considered an appliance. Now everything's like taken for granted. It's, it's, you know, things like that are an appliance. But you do when you start relying on them, you want them to work. And it can be very frustrating when some of the providers drop the ball and they kind of leave you out in the cold. That hasn't really happened with ShipStation. I, I just use that as an example. But with other software tools, yes, they make, they make promises. We implement. You spend a lot of time in trouble. And not just the money aspect. It's the time aspect. Yeah. And then you find out that it doesn't work the way they say it's supposed to work. And the CEO of the company tells me, well, we've got to be patient through bugs. And, of course, Amazon and other platforms don't want to hear you've had bugs with some third-party software. You know, there's no, you know, there's no excuse as far as that goes. So we do adapt. I don't say like we change processes or, or, or things drastically, just, just like that. And it, and it is a process, you know, even with a small team we have, talking just a few employees and such, um, you just have to show them certain things. And I just try to make things a little easier bit by bit rather than try to do everything all at once. Gotcha, man. So like, uh, just thinking back on your journey, getting on, on to Amazon, what were some of those early hurdles you faced? What year was it when you got started on Amazon? We got started like in 2012, it was like October. So just the okay. time of Christmas. And I'll tell you, there was many challenges. Uh, the main challenge for us was that many of the items that we sold and offered were not in the Amazon system. Getting listings made was very difficult when we had to do just hundreds to thousands of listings. It was actually easier to make listings on eBay than it was on Amazon. Lots of bugs. You really didn't have flat file uploads. It was it was kind of one at a time. Uh, everything was, was very primitive. If there were uh, uploads, just making the listing, it just there were too many things that went wrong in that in that process. So on the seller central side of things, there were a lot of problems there. But one of the things I kind of joke about is, as we've evolved with seller central, I uh, the way I see it, a lot of the stuff there is just the same like junk <laughs> that's been there for like ten years. I mean, okay. it's, it's under a nicer uh, front end. But there's a lot of shortfalls in there. And I just kind of wonder, I mean, things that are completely obsolete that they've gotten rid of that they still leave in there, they don't clean up, you know. So I kind of wonder about that. I just I see that the changes in Seller Central, they have improved things like feeds. They have improved a lot of things. But in some ways, they have it. In, you know, you're trying to upload or create like some sports T-shirt and in the listing, it'll say, uh, how many gears does this have? What about the yeah. engine? I mean, these are things that Amazon can do a far better job with if they really wanted to. You know, they, they, it doesn't seem to be a great effort other than, uh, let's say, kind of the look of it, which is, again, somewhat better than it used to be. But do we really need that? 
Uh, so in a lot of cases, it's trial and error from us to get things working or to have gotten them working. So from the beginning, the biggest challenge was getting the listings up there. Okay. Yeah, I can. I, I agree with you, man. I was looking at an inventory file template uh, this morning and it's just like, you know, the, they have their category specific ones now, but um, even the category specific ones like still have stuff in there that's doesn't really seem relevant and it gets a little confusing on why it's actually in there. And then you feel like you need to fill it all out, right? Cause you don't want some competitor to throw some crazy keyword in there that gets your stuff shut down. Well, I'll tell you a secret that now this is, I don't even know if it's a secret, but there's some things that are out there that you don't even know. This was told to me by Keith Mander, who is an MDS and he's like a software guru. He's developed products and stuff. And I, I reached out to him. And even though uh, we're in completely different time zones and he's in Europe and everything, he made time for me. Well, I believe it or not, I've been doing this for a long time, but I didn't even know this. You could take the flat file, the initial um, product sheet from your category, and you can delete columns. Ah. You can delete columns. Now, the first time you do this, you want to do trial and error. You want to make sure, but you got to be careful. Even though it says you may not delete, there are certain specific columns that you absolutely need. So you have to be aware of that. But where it says, like, I'm doing, let's say, apparel and it has uh, gears and, and, and just all sorts of weird, what, whatever, what's the size of the motor and all these other weird fields that make it like hundreds of uh, columns wide, you can delete those columns, save the file and work. It, it's just a little easier to work with something that's not so unwieldy because yeah. it really is. And I never knew that. I never knew that till he said that. I never knew that. And no one from support will ever tell you that. Yeah. So I guess you could like, you could delete those columns and then you just save that as like your own template. Right. And then when you got to throw up another listing, you just use that one if it's in right. the same category. Right. And I will say, and, you know, part of the things I say, which is weird, if you go and sell a central, if I go in one of these apparel items, still, if I manually look inside there, sometimes we have to make a little minor change or something. You see all, all these weird fields that, again, you know, there's no reasoning for it. It's just no one just bothered to, like, clean things up, you know, to stream. I, I think it just makes a lot of confusion for new sellers, things like this. Yeah, it can definitely be uh, pretty intimidating. I know like when I first started, I was doing listings just like, you know, in that user interface on Seller Central, you know, create a new listing. And it was it was tedious. And we had a large catalog that we wanted to get up and, you know, flat file. I remember the first time I looked at a CSV file, I was like, I was like, screw this. And I just like threw it to the side. And I it was like another year before I even considered it. Cause I'm not really a spread. I mean, I've turned myself into a spreadsheet guy, but naturally uh, I was not. So I shied away from it, but man, once I figured out how to, you know, put like a thousand listings up uh, at one time, like that was a game changer. You can literally accomplish some pretty amazing things literally overnight. Um, and it's a little different from the private label game, right? Like I was involved in arbitrage and wholesale so we had all these items we could throw up and, you know, you can literally be doing thousands of dollars in sales the next day. Um, if you figure that out, um, I know like most of your stuff, you started out with, you know, the reselling on your, on, you know, just buying 
small amounts of units, right? And then you got into the wholesale stuff. What are you doing mostly now? What does your business look like now? Right now, it's, I would say, a hybrid model. We, we still have a lot of branded items. Uh, we have some private label items. Uh, in the next couple of years, I hope to uh, release more private label items in, in what I call my main company. I do have a second company that's strictly private label. So that, okay. so that model is, is the branding model, just the, the management of it, everything's all the thinking behind it is just one way because it's private label. So that, in a way, that makes that company simpler to operate. I mean, yeah. I'll just say from top to bottom, when you really think about it, compared to my operations, which I will say lean more toward branded items, but we do have the private label and we're looking to expand on it and possibly some partnerships or whatever as well, you know, in areas that we either are familiar with or uh, we're also looking for areas that are new to us, you know, that we're willing to take a shot on, uh, you know, knowing Amazon somewhat, you know, over the years. Have you guys done anything or are doing anything on, on other marketplaces at all? We're doing uh, Walmart. Okay. Which for branded items is extremely difficult and problematic. And I think that is going to lead to Amazon always having the far upper hand on them because what made Amazon big, what is not really, I don't know if it's mentioned enough. It's the size and depth of the catalog puts them at a tremendous advantage over anybody. Okay. Anybody that would want to enter the marketplace, the millions and millions of listings, the depth of it, the brands having it. Walmart basically blocks huge amounts of brands. They block entire categories uh, without notice, without any documentation. Uh, there's no such thing as with Amazon with ungating and things like that. So with Walmart, it's far more challenging because until you try, uh, let's say a given brand, you don't even know if they will accept a listing from you. And the, it's a, as, as far as selling on Walmart, there's no interaction whatsoever. I mean, as, as far as our, our uh, what abilities we've had, I think that uh, I think they have a lot of problems in that area. I've actually spoke to them in person a few years ago when I got started. And when I got started there, I was far more gung ho about the future possibilities at Walmart. I'm much less so now. Yeah. And as far as private label goes, uh, it's okay over there. Uh, any seller that can't sell on there or get an account. I wouldn't worry that much about it, okay? And I think that their growth in the future is also going to be restricted by some of the things that Amazon has already laid groundwork on. Uh, the, the other a platform, we still sell a little bit on eBay. And okay. I kind of wonder, I, if we were to do a seminar on what you could do wrong to run a, co a corporation from the CEO standpoint, eBay would be the case study. Because they were number one. And the problem that they have, I'll say there's two problems they have. The first, it's a throwback to the 1990s. That site looks a lot like it did in 1989 or 1990. Yeah. The second problem they have, um, they built their credibility. I think in some minds, customers feel safer with Amazon per se. But I think what happened was, while they were asleep at the wheel all these years, Amazon was picking up their customers. They were not getting any new customers. So a lot of eBay customers are still loyal. 
They still are great with collectibles. If you have collectibles or limited or oddball things, eBay is actually a good marketplace for yeah. that. But the problem that they did, had is over a seven or eight year period, all the new customers were going to Amazon. And that is that it's just a killer. I mean, it's just unbelievable. People don't realize how, how strong and how good eBay was back in the day. Yeah, I actually got started on eBay, man. That was my my introduction to e-commerce uh, was uh, retail drop shipping on uh, eBay back in like 2014. Um, and once I made enough money there, I then I moved over to Amazon and uh, you know kind of left eBay behind. But yeah, it, it, they did kind of like stagnate and and didn't really change. The website does still look the same, you know, ever since I remember being on there. Um, and you're right though. Like there, there are certain items that do really well. I went to a conference a while back and this guy was talking about selling like nineties rap CDs that like, maybe you couldn't really find, uh, in a lot of places anymore. And it was real interesting, just like super, super niche stuff. Uh, that was selling for like ridiculous amounts uh, on eBay where you go to like a Goodwill shop and you buy it for like 10 or 20 bucks and somebody bought it for like $300 on eBay. It was like, you know, some artist made a rap CD like that was from some small place in Southern California or something like that. Yeah, uh, eBay. Yeah, eBay. Um that's there. There are some very, very big sellers on there, and I've met them in person. I mean, like just enormous, enormous sellers. And I met some guy in automotive a few years ago in Las Vegas, and um, you know, I just can't. I I think it just was just bad from the top. An idea that I had many years ago that they did not implement, and nobody really did, was I had the idea that why couldn't they do kind of a home shopping channel online. Once, you know, we had good bandwidth and video and such, in other words, to take that home shopping kind of thing. And somehow, I don't know if it would be like a section of an eBay, whatever it was to do that, because um, that kind of format actually still works to this day with a lot of customers, QVC, HSN, they're still big. No one in e-commerce thinks about them or whatever. Believe me, I still know some people at Home Shopping Network. Um, they do an enormous amount of business. Obviously, they do a lot on their website now, but the TV component is still a good part of their business. Yeah, my mom still buys me stuff off the QVC, like the, <laughs> the TV thing all the time she'll like she'll like take a picture of her tv and be like nick nicholas what do you think of this uh ring i saw on here i i want to get this for you and send it to you like all the time she's doing that type of stuff you know, when you think about it a lot of those items you know you so in that realm you think of like housewares things that appeal to a wide amount of people but you know what even when it comes to technology selling people technology items it's always difficult, especially on like an, an Amazon. They can't see it. They can't touch it. I mean, they can see it, but they can't touch it. There may be some videos on there and they may think that's good enough. But if you are demonstrating like uh, shark vacuum, you know, the self vacuum thing, we got one here and in, in, in like we bought a large wholesale deal and there was one thrown in there. And I hadn't used one of those in years because the one I used years ago is really primitive by uh, Roomba or whatever. 
And this one, which was fairly inexpensive, I just set it doing like the upper floor of my offices here. And I, I go, wow, this is really doing a great job. But I wasn't even going to think of it because I really haven't, you know, I had an original Roomba years ago and I thought it could only do this. If you, you know, you have these segments where you're trying to show different things like that to customers, not usually buying those items. You know, I, I see it as an opportunity and, and an opportunity rather than um, just like a video. Here's a product video, a quick little commercial type thing. It's a different kind of selling. It's gutsy, but I don't think it takes that much with the technology we have to have a little studio and to test something like that. The other thing I want to get into is uh, Shopify websites. Okay? okay. On myself, for my company, I've been on, I've had a, a, a wholesale websites in 1997, which is kind of funny, but on the, the and, and just like an informational, not something where they could place orders due to the complexity. On the Shopify site, my second company, which is strictly private label, has a Shopify site. It does relatively okay comparing to certain other people, but it is not where I want it to be. And I want to also for my company with the branded stuff, I really need to develop some websites, not just one due to the nature of what we sell several. And I need to try to get a little bit of traffic and some sales. I have no choice, you know, just based on blocking of brands and difficulties and changes and, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I'm I'm in the same boat as you, man. Like I have all these ideas and and I've, you know, some of them are already in motion and we have like a Shopify store, but it's nowhere near what I what I want it to be and you know, the hot topic right now for Amazon is like external traffic, drive external traffic to your listings and then it's like, well, why don't I just drive external traffic to my own listings, right? On yeah. my Shopify store. It, it is. It's a difficult thing. It's a difficult thing. And I know there's some people in MDS talking about this who've had success with Shopify. It, 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 you know, it's when you own the customer, there's, you know, especially with selling online, there's so many more things you could do down the line if you have lines that continue to grow and expand. Amazon is, is, uh, is difficult because they own the customer. It's their customer. And, you know, when you really look at it, it becomes, it becomes a decision. And I think that sometimes you have to uh, modify on that. You have to make some changes here and there. Maybe you try both, you know, uh, maybe you try your website for a little while. I've, I've heard people say different things um, the way they look at it. And um, it, it's no easy task. And for me, it's it's just getting some of the right advice to because of the complexity of what I need to do, how I need to execute that. It's been a tough one, I'll tell you. I mean, we have we have a framework of something in place, but it's the marketing end of it that's yeah. gonna it's the marketing and the final touches on the website per se. And uh, for me, in some cases, my websites may be what I consider a website of items and not necessarily have like the cohesiveness I would like to have ideally. Yeah. You know, what's interesting, man, is like a lot of us that get some success on Amazon, we all kind of end up saying the same thing, right? Like we hate not owning the customer. Uh, we want to have more control over our business. We hate waking up to a suspension and all of a sudden we're missing out on thousands of dollars in sales. 
And it kind of makes me think about like the life cycle of Amazon, like is Amazon going anywhere? And I'm wondering if, if you think about like over the next hundred years or something like that, as guys like us say, Hey, you know what, we're going to depend less on Amazon and do our own thing. Do you think like in the world of entrepreneurs that there's enough entrepreneurs that are going to walk in the path, walk the path that we already have, that are going to keep Amazon afloat, right? Because a majority of their sales come from third parties. Uh, we know that. Uh, so in your opinion, do you think that is just kind of a cycle that's going to go on for a very long time? Well, I've been wrong about what my, I kind of thought, I thought over the last few years that Amazon would continue to make, let's say, policy adjustments to try to actually squeeze the smallest of sellers, um, the really small sellers. And there are a lot of really small sellers on Amazon, too. There's nothing against them, by the way. Um, they made policy changes over the years, but they have not like tightened the screws completely to like eliminate them or to almost say, if you're not selling this much per month, we don't really want you or whatever it may be. They have made changes with storage allotments for people that were storing large volumes of things, uh, books and bulky things and stuff like that. I think, I don't like, I, I mean, the next like 50 years, technology, everything is very, it's a very tricky thing to kind of yeah. predict. I think that um, your, when you focus your efforts on Amazon, and this is where it's really tough, you get your biggest ROI on your time, on your money, the total performance. So I've seen people that take like a really bitter stance at Amazon because Amazon does something that really impacts them. And boy, I know it. I know it. I, there's a couple of things recently that, that are going to impact me in um, possibly to a substantial degree. Okay. But you still have to think okay, what's best for you? You know, you don't want to go out and just burn bridges because I'm going to show them. I'm going to show them that I can triple my eBay sales. And maybe you can, and maybe you can't. But the biggest problem is saying, okay, here, here we are. We're, we're listed on Walmart. Walmart's going to be the savior. We're going to focus 100% of our efforts. Or this month, we're going to put 80% of our time into Walmart instead of 80% of our time into Amazon because we want this return. And we know in a few months, that Walmart's going to be, you know, substantial. And it's going to be half of our Amazon sales or whatever, whatever you think it might be. And then you find out what I tell, I say is the bitter pill is the biggest return on time, money, and resources is going to be Amazon. If you deploy a lot of your company resources, whatever they are, even if you're a one-man show and you focus on those other channels or your own website, your return on that, at least in the short run, is going to be very small. And that's where, th that's where it becomes tough. So I think each business has to look at their model and has to look at what they're selling and be aware of everything around them as much as possible. But you don't want to like dump and get out of something and make something drastic where it's going to cost you sales or money on Amazon because one day they may make some kind of change. I always talk about pivoting. We've done it a number of times here. It's not something to be taken lightly. And it's not something to even try to forecast, like saying, okay, I know this is going to happen. And so I'm going to do that. If you, There is smoke before fire sometimes. And you can 
over years of business, you can make a judgment call, but you don't want to be rash or drastic about it. I do think Amazon is going to keep this model because this model is what has the advantage of Amazon over anybody. If Target tomorrow was going to make a third-party marketplace, it's not a problem. I mean, I think they could be much bigger than Walmart, actually. They have a much higher demographic of a customer. They have more of an Amazon demographic customer at Target. But if they were to do it, Amazon has major advantages over them as far as the size of the catalog. So they have to figure out a way how to deploy a very big catalog as fast as they possibly can. Yeah, I think that's uh, definitely some words of wisdom coming from you, man. Like at the end of the day, Amazon has so many people on there just ready to buy stuff. And there's like, I don't buy stuff on Amazon very often, which is kind of funny. But um, like you see the emails that they send and the marketing that they do, like even if you're not running PPC or doing advertising on Amazon, like they're still showing people your products in ways that are different than just the search engine, right? Like, hey, this is back in stock and they send an email or, hey, we recommend this product to you and they send an email or someone gets a push notification on the app. And, you know, those are things they don't even really, as far as I know, they don't really fill us in on those details, but I know that that stuff is happening uh, and people just trust Amazon. So they buy stuff and, you know, they've got that one button that you can click and say, Hey, is this the address you want this ship to? Yes. Bam. They bought it. Um, And that leverage is huge. And I agree with you 100%, man. Like, when you put your time in on Amazon, they're handling so much stuff for you uh, that it is just such a good use of your time. And that's what makes it hard getting off, like doing your own thing, not necessarily getting off Amazon, but like you try to go on Shopify and build your store and uh, like no one's just going to show up and buy your product, right? Like you got to make this happen and being dependent on Amazon, we don't learn that skill. Um, is there any resources you've found recently that are kind of like helping you that you've you've found to be valuable to kind of learn those skills that uh, you need to make that happen? Well, I've looked randomly at different websites and what they, uh, you know, quote tips and tricks, some YouTube videos. Sometimes YouTube can be helpful, too. Yeah. But I have been reaching out to MDS guys and um, and asking specific questions everything's different. Like you can't just take someone else's idea and just like modify it. And now it's going to work for you. You have to just think about different things that may have worked for them or even better things that have not worked for people. You know, why chase something down that uh, five people tell you did not work out for them. And when you look at e-commerce, I will say something else I'll point out, which is Google. They dropped the ball completely. So as big a company as Google is, and boy, they were certainly aware of e-commerce, but they, Google Shopping um, is not even a fraction of what they wanted it to be. There's always been talk that, why don't they just buy eBay? But would that be such a great fit for them, the way eBay is? It's, it, it, it's almost like a step back. Google has completely failed on e-commerce to what I understand. When I say average person, I'm not talking about people like you and me, Okay. 
Amazon has become a search engine for merchandise. And that has been the failure of Google. Yeah. People used to go to Google. I'm not saying that they don't go to Google to Google, let's say products or products. They don't know that they're Googling. You know, they don't know the specific product, but they're Googling to find products to find a certain type of need to fill a need, let's say. So they may go to Google to, Hey, I need something that can do this. And then it puts them on the trail, but they go to Amazon to search for product. And that has been the failure of Google in a major way. People think Amazon is a search engine. I'm not kidding. I've seen, you know, data that shows that some of the things they search there, sometimes they search like Google terms in Amazon. They consider it a search engine you know, for anything, not just yeah. product. It's crazy. So uh, I will say that uh, Google's dropped the ball. eBay's dropped the ball. I think Target can do a heck of a lot more. And Walmart also, obviously, they waited so many years. They waited so many years. So so when people hear that, like, oh, Walmart is growing like crazy. When you start at a lower number, you grow bigger. Yeah. If you start at zero. And tomorrow I tell you, Nick, we got a thousand dollars in sales. We got a thousand dollar increase, and then I, I say I don't want to tell you, Dick, but we sold like two items for five hundred dollars a piece. That you know, <laughs> but when it comes down to it, when it comes down to it, I you know Walmart. I think they've done. Uh, they started that very slow. I think things about confusion there is that it's a store. Are you searching for online? It, it, you add the store element. I think that confuses some customers. There's no doubt about it. And uh, Target, I think the advantage they have is the store pickup thing. They're getting much better, delivered to your car, things like that. Um, like I said, a better demographic. And uh, somehow, I think there's going to be other ways for us to sell or to sell on places like Facebook or other social media that just has not been developed yet. I agree, man. I, I've seen, I, I get up, I get updates on like some of the technology things that like, or the patents that some of these companies file for. And, and I've seen some interesting things come up on like, you know, Facebook's and they're trying to like create this technology where they can just, you can check out on Facebook and you can just buy stuff like on Instagram. And I really, my opinion is that is really going to become the future of e-commerce where people are shopping on these platforms where they're hanging out, where they're already spending their time. And I think that's why Amazon launched like Amazon live, right? Like they want people to hang out there and buy products off these influencers. It's going to be super interesting to see the way that it all plays out. It's such an interesting space to be in. Um, you know, that being said, man, like what's your, you've been in this game for so long. Uh, do you have an exit strategy? Like what's your vision for your way out? How long are you going to stay in this, man? You know, it's a good question. And I tell people, I look at people like Warren Buffett, the guy's in his upper 90s, his partner, Charlie Munger, is up in his upper 90s. I'm not saying I'm going to work into my 90s, but I think that you have to have something to do. And I really, really, for my companies, there is what I call some hands-on. And like, I could be on vacation in like Europe or something, and there's still things I'll look at. So I'm not concerned about answering emails or taking a look at something, or there's some, my website went down when I was in Africa and I'm like, let me get a hold of the ISP. And that was my wholesale website. And it wasn't a crisis, but my business partner asked me about it. So I got it done. I kind of think that 
I don't have a specific exit and exit strategy. I really don't. I kind of think that for us, we'll operate it. And then at some point, depending on the scope of certain assets and things, how we would sell it off. But it's like, I don't, I really, I mean, I know, I know a number of people that have worked and have continued to work. And it's not a question of like how many hours you work or whatever, but I just, I, I didn't want to like, just, just hang it up, pull the plug, you know, in, and, and it's funny because we just recently signed a lease extension in our warehouse, but um, I, I just, I think I'm going to be in the business. I like it. I kind of warn people about stepping back from their companies. I've seen bad things happen. I, I know a lot of people want to do that. They go, I want to step back. And for some people it may work, but I've seen in a lot of cases where it has not worked. So for me, I kind of feel I'm either in or I'm out. And if I'm out, I may still have some business work, you know, going on somewhere, but I don't want to like take the business that I have currently and just step back away from it and let other people handle it. Because I think at that point, um, there's just too many chances for things to go wrong. I, 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 you know, it's just, it's my philosophy. So I know there's a lot of younger people that say they want to retire at 30 or retire at 40. I don't know. I've seen some people retire very young. And like I said, um, there's blowouts in the stock market or investments that have gone bad or the idea that they could walk on water. And I try to just warn people that have had tremendous success. They think everything they can just jump right in. I'm going to jump into real estate. I'm going to make a fortune. My other buddy did, you know, that I'm going to jump into Bitcoin. I'm going to go crazy. I'm going to make a fortune. This money's here. The money could be there and it could be gone in a, in a blink of an eye, you know, and that, you know, things that I really don't know about, especially things like yeah. real estate. I really don't. I, you know, I, I know about real estate in a general sense. I own my own home, things like that. But I don't go into, you know, rental of properties and things like that. I say the simplest way in, you can invest in a real estate ETF. You can, you know, there's, there's ways of investing in a passive way that's, quote, safe where you don't have to worry about the management of it, the collection of it, the operational end of it. Um, I, over the last few years, you know, I met, I've met the uh, Airbnb millionaires and the, but you know, I, it's it just, I kind of think that you have to be careful. There's a conservative uh, end of, of, of how you want to live and there's room for speculation. It's just that you don't want to, say, well, I was really successful in Amazon and that's going to translate to every other business right. because selling on e-commerce and Amazon um, is far different. It's far different. You have a much better, a faster ROI on your money or things work out better, faster or worse, faster. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas another business, it may take years to find out that it's wrong or it may take hundreds of thousands of dollars in investment, which is completely gone to find out that franchise didn't work for you or something like that. So um, that's the, the benefit of e-commerce is that you can see if there's something there in a relatively quick period of time. Well, Robert, you've dropped, uh, you know, a lot of nuggets on, on this call, man. But if there was one thing you could, one piece of advice you could give people that are listening to this podcast, you know, they're hustling, maybe they've tasted a little bit of success uh, what's one piece of advice that you could give them based off of your years of experience? I'm going to say stay humble and 
I am also going to say, try to be aware of the marketplace. They, you know, you want to network with people, people like at MDS. It's just so, it's incredible in that way because maybe the future you can't see, they can. So they've said, hey, I've been doing this. This is working for me. But the be humble part, <laughs> uh, I, I think is an important part there. I mean, everyone likes to pound their chest. I'm doing all these sales and everything's great, but there's going to be ups and downs and you don't want to go too high because, you know, you come crashing down, you know, you don't want to get, you don't want to get too low because things are working against you. Nice, man. Well, uh, Robert, if people want to find out more about you or maybe find out more about, about your business, is there anywhere they can come check you out and learn more about what you got going on? I would say the best way would be, you could email me. I'll say what, you could email me, robertw477 at gmail.com. So you can email me. And uh, on a key, you know, I try to help other people too that are new to Amazon, you know, when I can and pipe in and, you know, my experiences, it's as simple as that. If something has, has never worked for me, you know, you might be the one out of a thousand it works for, but yeah. at least you should know that, hey, this is this is something really tough. You know, this is something that uh, you might not be able to do or might not work for you. Robert, thank you so much for coming on the call today. It's been an honor to have you on, man. I really enjoyed chatting with you and I look forward to seeing you sometime soon, man. Uh, thank you very much. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it. Uh, it was really good. Uh, seeing you and uh we will be in person sometime here you know, yes. hopefully within the next year it's been a real rough one so absolutely man i hope so thanks a lot are you a million dollar seller looking to network with like-minded entrepreneurs apply for membership now at milliondollarsellers.com leave us a review and subscribe now so you don't miss out on next week's episode